you kind of think to yourself that, okay, to be successful, I need to be a certain way. I need to make myself smaller as an Asian person. I need to be quieter about my mongness. I need to do, I need to have my hair and makeup a certain way. I need to be this and that. You start to think of all these things because you don't have the correct tools going into these systems that we currently work in, the institutions that we currently work in. And so I think it was a lot of losing myself and then coming back to myself. And I think that has been the most challenging part because coming back to yourself isn't easy, especially when these institutions aren't familiar and aren't created for people like us. Welcome to the Elizabeth Yang Show, where we explore the benefits of diverse leaders expanding your brand authority online to create massive impact and happy sales. Now, let's dive in because your legendary life is waiting. Hi there. Thanks for joining us today on the Elizabeth Yang Show. I'm really super excited to have some amazing guests on the show today. You're going to get an opportunity to meet them in just a little bit here. Some of these men and women that are on our panel today, I've had the privilege of knowing through my own community, and I invited them to be part of this discussion today because I hope that we can inspire you to stop being the best kept secret in your local town, that we can inspire you to believe that if some of these folks on the panel today can do it, that you can do it too. The online space gives us an opportunity to connect with so many people around the world. And I think at the end of the day, the message here really is that if we can do it, you can do it too, and you don't have to go it alone. As you know, I love to have you meet our guests by reading their bios because they put each of our guests, I think I've earned it, right? So let me just go here in no favoritism order and just, I'm gonna introduce you to Chinu Her. Chinu is an anchor at Good Morning Iowa for WOI-TV, an ABC affiliate in Des Moines, Iowa. He is the first Hmong male news anchor in mainstream news media in America. Chinu's a long-term advocate for AAPI journalists and an active member of the Asian American Journalists Association. He has recently been awarded the 2022 Community Impact Award by AAJA. He was born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us today, Chinu. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to all of you guys. I know I've talked to Elizabeth before in the past. I've known her for years, and so just thank you for inviting me to be on this show and to talk to all of you guys. And I'm just excited to connect with everyone. So thank you. We also are joined today by Gia Vang as well. She was most recently in Minnesota. Now she is in sunny California. So Gia Vang is an award-winning journalist. She is the co-founder of the Very Asian Foundation and currently anchors and reports from NBC Bay Area. She is a daughter of Hmong refugees from Laos, her work and passion really centers on exploring and documenting new American stories and amplifying marginalized voices that have been historically erased in traditional media. She is the first news anchor of Hmong descent in a major U.S. news market and has covered stories in other cities like Eugene, Oregon, Kansas City, Missouri, Phoenix, Arizona, Fresno, California, Minneapolis. Thanks for being here, Gia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. As Chanu had mentioned, I've known many of you all here for a very long time, many years now. So happy to be here and be a part of this conversation. And then last but not least, we have Laura Lee, who is joining us. Laura Lee is a seasoned reporter and anchor. She has been an evening anchor for ABC 
Six News in Rochester, Minnesota for more than a decade, award-winning and Emmy-nominated reporter with her investigations winning first place by the Associated Press and the Society of Professional Journalists. She is a University of St. Thomas graduate, Tommy here, and a 360 journalism alumna helping to get high school students, people of color, from underprivileged homes into the newsroom around the world. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Hi, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I'm excited to be here. So you are in the public eye with your experience and your background. Not only are you representing being Hmong or API as a woman, as a man, really like what inspired you to really start to get into the space as you look back at your career? Who would like to kick us off? I could start. I was a high school kid from the north side of Minneapolis. I think sometimes in those pockets of the neighborhoods, I think the statistics prove that these kids sometimes often get forgotten. And so it was so important for me just to be, just to dream. I was one of eight kids who wanted to be a Star Tribune reporter, actually. That's what I grew up wanting to be, a print reporter. And I wanted to having my name, my byline on a paper, it, being part of this high school newspaper was just so exciting. Being able to go around school and ask questions and to turn stories for the school paper was really really exciting and thrilling for me. And then I just started pursuing that. And my dad was always like, is that really the career you want? And I was just, I loved it. I wanted to be a writer, an author, all of that. And so when you have these schools and sometimes the funding is not there, you don't get school papers as often. Maybe sometimes one year it's there, one year it's not, but you have teachers that believe in you because no matter what neighborhood you come from, there are teachers, amazing teachers, that inspire and believe in you. And so I had teachers that really saw something and they wanted to kind of just to facilitate an opportunity for me to be able to do that. And coming from a family, a big family, eight kids, college is going to be tough for two parents or English is a second language. And so it was big for us. Education was always big, but for my parents, in turn, as a daughter, I was like, God, what can I do so that I can alleviate some of that responsibility off of them? Because they're working opposite shifts just to cover all of our expenses to raise us. And so we do our best in school because Asian families are high expectations for education. And right away when there was an opportunity to study at St. Thomas on a full scholarship, I was like, that's mine. That's not I gonna not work my butt off to get that. There was like no way I was gonna give that up. Yeah. And a teacher sponsored me to to get me into the program. She just wrote an amazing letter. And I got into the program at St. Thomas and right away I met real life journalists, like reporters at Star Tribune, Pioneer Press, local TV stations. And they gave us the tools to be able to flourish and to do what I'm now doing. But to be a Hmong girl was something that was very, because I was in this classroom of 15 kids from all across the Twin Cities. I was probably one one of two students of color. And all of the professionals that were there with us were, I think maybe three of them were people of color, the rest were white. And so for me, I wanted just to prove to them that I belong there. I wanted to prove to them that I, I want them to invest in me because I can do this. I want to do this. And at the end of the day, I got the scholarship and, and I just was like, there's no stopping now. I just want to keep doing it. Unstoppable. What about you? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to get into this space. 
Well, I love that, Laura. I love your story. Similar to Laura, lots of parallels, as we mentioned earlier, in terms of our intention for this conversation. I came from a big family too, one of 10 kids. We lived in Oak Park in Sacramento, which back then was not a good part of town. Now it's gentrified and there's definitely places and pockets of Oak Park now that people want to live, but it was not a good place to be in. High schools we went to, the counselors, I feel like were just happy if you decided to go to a city college. So I think that for me, really growing up, when people ask me this question, I look back and I think, gosh, when was the moment? And you kind of don't see those moments until later on in hindsight. And so I think I went to college really wanting to declare something because my teachers, my family, everyone wanted us not to waste money and to go in and out very quickly. And so I decided that I wanted to do journalism because my English classes were my favorite classes. And I loved writing. I'd rather write a 10 page paper than take a math exam. So I decided to choose journalism and I didn't know quite what it entailed, but then I got into it and I, I loved the meeting and connecting with other people and learning about their stories. And then I got my first internship at KCRA in Sacramento and I was there for a year and a half, not really quite under the the credits that I necessarily needed because I had finished those credits, but the news director at the time just really saw something in me and believed in me and wanted me to continue coming. And so he just left me a key card and said, come whenever you want. And really stepping into that newsroom for the first time was a moment where I said, okay, this is what I want to do. But then when I look back at how I grew up, I think a lot about how every night before we went to bed, we used to watch Fox 40 in Sacramento because it was a 10, 10 p.m. newscast. And everyone else was later around 11. And so we'd watch the 10 p.m. newscast on Fox 40. And my parents would sit there on the couch with me and they would ask, what is this person saying? What are these images? Why are they showing this? And I would have to translate for them. And so I think when I really do kind of sit on those memories, I think, okay, those really started the building blocks for where I am today because I wanted to be a representative of someone from my community. At that time, there were some Japanese and some Chinese and Korean reporters. But of course, we all know that the Asian umbrella is huge and we all have different life experiences and experiences about how we grew up. And it's definitely not the same. And so I looked like them, but my story wasn't quite like theirs. And to my parents, it was the same thing. They saw these people on air and they looked like my parents, but they didn't quite have the same story. And so I feel like when I left for my first job in Eugene, Oregon, I had a big graduation party like all my families throw for their kids who get a college degree. And a lot of people from my church at that time said to me, okay, just remember to come back and help the community. And I think all those through lines and all those stories really kind of bring me to where I am today, where I wanted to be someone who represented the Hmong community. I loved what this industry is about when I stepped into a newsroom. And then also I just really felt like there is a sense in the Hmong community of this collectiveness. And we can see that when we talk about arriving in America and how you can borrow money from your plan system if you didn't have money to buy a car or whatnot. And so I think like there is a collective sense in our Hmong community of just wanting to uplift and build each other up and see each other succeed. And so I think that all of that is really how I came to where I am today. I love that. And what about you, Chinu? Man, you guys have good stories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I think for me growing up in St. Paul, it's not often I I meet people who have bigger families than me. I'm one of five. 
have the second You're oldest like, of five. They got me over there. They got I know. Me over I'm there. Like, only in a bone <laughs> conversation can I say, wow, I have the smallest family. Um, so I'm one of five. Growing up, I didn't really know like what career path there would be for me because I wasn't good at math. I wasn't good at science. I'm not like super big or athletic, so I couldn't do that. So similar to Gia, like I really liked my English classes. I liked reading. I liked writing. So I actually, when I figured maybe journalism was a possible path for me, I actually wanted to go the print route and be a newspaper reporter as well. And so when I got to, when I was in high school, my, towards the end of my high school years, I was like, you know, let me see like what, if there are even any both people doing this. Because at the time I mentioned my parents, like I wanted to go to journalism, but they didn't really quite understand so at that time, I was leaning towards print, TV was a possibility, but I never saw a bone person on TV. So I didn't know if that would be possible for me to do or not. So I figured in print, you don't see the person, you see the name, but you'll see the person. So as long as I could write, I could probably get a job. So my senior year, I was like, okay, let me just like reach out to some people to see you know, like some reporters, some local journalists in town and just see if any of them respond to me about just how long it would take until I could get an internship in a newsroom if I wanted to do that in college. And so I emailed a bunch of people and TV reporters reached out to me first. So I was like, what if TV reporters are reaching out to me first, let me kind of pursue that and see where it goes. I was still very nervous. My parents are also very nervous because of the, again, you know, growing up in the Twin Cities, we always watched Channel 4, WCCO, and Care 11. So my parents were always like, wow, the news anchors, they're dressed so nice and they talk so well and they're so smart and they're intelligent. That was what their picture of success was. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, and that's success and that's what I want. And so I started pursuing that like in, in college, but it wasn't really until at the time I came across Bao Vang, who no longer is a business, but Bao was like, she she was Mitch, she was bad. And so Bao was on TV in Wisconsin. And then I came across Gia and I was like, so I showed my parents. I'm like, dude, like they're both way TV news. And so my parents are still kind of nervous because my parents are like, well, they're women and they're pretty and they sound good. Like, like can you do, you know? And so, but luckily they were very supportive. I ended up interning actually at KCRA as well, where Gia interned in Sacramento because my mom's side of the family lived there. And so for a summer, I moved out there, lived with my grandparents, interned there, came back, interned at two stations in the Twin Cities. And man, I just kind of like got in a groove and figured out like, that's what I wanted to do. I grew up in East St. Paul and my parents didn't have a lot of money or anything like that. So I always knew that whatever I did, I wanted it to be something that I wasn't going to quit doing and that I was going to like really dedicate myself to so that one day I can not only be able to support myself and my family, but also inspire other kids from where I'm from in St. Paul to be able to go that route if they choose to. Because I think, I feel like growing up, I felt like there were only ever like two different paths I could have taken. It's like doctor or law school, which one do you want? And <laughs> I didn't want either one of those. And so it was really tough. And so once I got into news and my parents are supportive and I knew that it was something that I wanted to do, like I was all in. It's been really, really, I've been very blessed to follow along 
other Hmong people who have already done it in the business, like Laura and Gia and at the time Bao and then Bojong was supporting at CARE. So I had a lot of awesome like Hmong women who had come and done it. And so I can look to them and be like, hey, if I need help navigating something, they're there. And so I think that also not only inspired me, but also I think my parents are a lot more comfortable and relieved to know that they were doing it and that there was a way to be successful in the business. And so that's really what motivated me was to just, I wanted to be an example for people in my neighborhood in St. Paul and to just do something different. I don't know many Hmong men in TV news. And so I may be the first to do some of these things, but I'm certainly not the last. And so, yeah, we just want to keep it rolling. Well, I love this because there's a couple of themes that I want to bring it back. You're one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do, which is really representation in the marketplace, especially in the online space. My contribution is really in the entrepreneur space. But at the end of the day, I do a lot of community work. And something that's really top of mind for me with representation that matters, whether you're a working professional or you own your own business or you're running your own nonprofit is how do we sustain representation in the marketplace? You need money, right? You need money to continue to build your career in journalism. You need money to run your business. You need money to make an impact with your nonprofit, right? So I really love the themes and I'm just gonna pull this together because I think it's so important for our audiences to hear this. This is why I'm so passionate about helping entrepreneurs, working professionals, And really organizations really focus on funding because the more money that you make, the more that I believe you will reinvest it back into the causes and communities that you care about. And many of you shared today about the opportunities that were made available because there were scholarships that were available. There were mentorship and people that were willing to invite you into the station to work with with you that were willing to put in their time and investment to work with you being a minority, a person of color, woman of color, man of color, right? A couple of other things that was so important is, is it possible for me to be on camera when at the time when you started, there was nobody that looks like you. And now like each of you are making possible other API men and women, boys and girls, like if he or she can do it, I can do it too. And also I heard like this push, right? Of we want to support each of you to be successful so you can come back and help out the AAPI Moan community, this idea of collectiveness and defining success on your term and leadership. And I think that's so powerful because one of the things that I want to just ask each of you as you've grown your career, many of you have been in the space now for many years where you go from maybe student and learning to now more of an established experienced professional, what has been in your experience, what has been the biggest opportunity or challenge that you have faced being an AEPI Hmong public figure in the media? Let's kick it off with Gia. I think, I mean, if I mold over this question a little bit, I could probably think of a million things, but what comes top of mind for me and my experience was losing my identity of being an Asian person, an Asian woman, and a Hmong person throughout the building of my career. And so I think that when you grow up the way that I did, being very connected to your culture, being very connected to your people, and then you go into this very white space and this system that is white, and you kind of 
without the right tools, you kind of think to yourself that, okay, to be successful, I need to be a certain way. I need to make myself smaller as an Asian person. I need to be quieter about my mongness. I need to do, I need to have my hair and makeup a certain way. I need to be this and that. You start to think of all these things because you don't have the correct tools going into these systems that we currently work in and institutions that we currently work in. And so I think it was a lot of losing myself and then coming back to myself. And I think that has been the most challenging part because coming back to yourself isn't easy, especially when these institutions aren't familiar and aren't created for people like us. And so that can be challenging in itself because people don't understand why you're being so loud about who you are. And I think that probably for me is the biggest thing. And the biggest thing I think for a lot of people of color who are in this industry, not just an Asian woman, but I know a lot of my friends who are black journalists or who are Latin Latinx, they think that they feel the same way. And so it's really challenging when you have to kind of make yourself into something you didn't want and then realize later on that you have to undo a lot of the things that you thought were right at the time. Stepping back into really that, that balance or what is your authenticity? Like what makes you authentic? Right. What about you, Chinu? Yeah, I think I'll speak on opportunity first. I think being kind of going back to what you mentioned earlier, Elizabeth, about just this online space that exists now, I think being Hmong and being in our industry and having the tool of the online space, I think it makes our reach even further than like the local news market we cover because people have access to the things that we cover. So I can post a story about Des Moines that maybe is focused on a Hmong community here. And all of a sudden, Hmong people from all over the United States are consuming news from Des Moines that probably doesn't really even impact them, but they want to be able to celebrate and take part whatever is happening. I think that's the beauty in the online space and the opportunity that being a Hmong journalist in mainstream media presents to us is, for example, like, like when Gia covers SUNY at CARE 11, like everybody and their mom was sharing those stories because she had like a front row seat to the family watching it. And I remember seeing my friends and family from all over the country sharing that because that gives us a really good opportunity. As far as challenges go, similar to what Gia just mentioned, I think the hardest thing for me coming up is, is just how do you be yourself, but also not do it at like the expense of your career? Because I think for me early on in my career, I was a little timid about that. I tried to just fit in as much as possible, be non-controversial as possible. I've been asked to change my name before just for honor purposes to not have like such an obscure name. I've been accused of being a diversity hire. So it's just been all these things that have happened throughout my career. But throughout all that, how do you be your most authentic self? And I think as I got older, I come to realize that I can be my true authentic self and there's always going to be an audience. There's going to be someone out there who can relate to who I am, my experiences, the background that I come from. And so just really sticking true to yourself. And I think one thing that I've learned since moving to Des Moines is it's okay to bet on yourself and bet on that authenticity. Because I think when I realized that I was willing to take that risk, it like paid off huge for my career. And so, yeah, those are just some of the challenges, but I think I'm fortunate to have good people around me to kind of help me navigate this space to get to like where I am now. I love that. I often call it, am I the right shade of success? 
And for me, that's huge because sometimes just because you look at me or on social media, my posts, my conversations may not be relevant to you. And I know for me personally, I often get judged like, oh, Elizabeth, there's no way she's doing what she's doing. And then people are pleasantly surprised when they're like, oh, you're in sales or you do this. And it's like, it's okay. I know that I'm not going to always be the right shade of success for you, but I am always going to be the right shade of success for people that feel drawn to me, right? What about you, Laura? Based on your career, based on your experience, where have you seen the biggest opportunities or challenges being in the public eye representing Hmong API? Yeah, and I share a kind of a different path than Chinu and Jia. I really didn't have an opportunity to kind of move all across country. I really wanted that, but my path started a little backwards. I was married. I had kids first, right out of college. I mean, so my path was just a little different. When I got my first on-air job, Sometimes in these smaller markets, there's a big opportunity to make a larger impact because now here I was and my employers were surprisingly just so great to me that they were relishing in the fact that I was different. And I was expecting the opposite. I was expecting that I had to be like to prove myself because I was like, I'm just the minority in the newsroom. So I'm going to twice as hard for them to respect my work. Instead, I was given the opposite, which I, I take today. I look back and I'm just so blessed because it, it allowed me to push for stories that I wanted to bring a different voice to the table. And I find myself in these moments where I'm just like, here I am sitting in a boardroom meeting with CEOs of Mayo and IBM. And I am this Hmong woman who they're respecting and listening to me and, and my opinions and my decision making. Like they respect that. And I think... When we are given opportunities like that, and especially in a, when you think TV markets, they're small, middle, meet large. I've just been blessed with the opportunity to be able to do that and to kind of draw on the Asian communities in this region to pull us together and say, you know what, we're all in this together. We live in this region. Let's come up with solutions that can benefit all of us. And then not only that, but then being a newsroom leader, you get to bring ideas to the table and you get to kind of drive the engine and the direction of the newsroom to make it more inclusive and diverse so that your coverage allows you to have all of those different voices and perspectives to be able to push and say, let's go get someone who who can bring, add to the story in a different way. So those have been huge opportunities for me personally. Some of the challenges I think it's still, and I think all of us are still dealing with that, is just to get more diverse people in the newsroom. At my level now at my station, I'm a part of the hiring process and, and with managers, you talk and it's just, let's get to these high school levels, even sometimes we're thinking middle school now to kind of get kids through the pipeline that want to come up in this route. And I think sometimes the challenge is, is going back to what Chinu and Jia and I were talking about is to reassure these families that this is a sustainable career. It's challenging no matter what, but it can be rewarding as well if they're really passionate about doing the work. And so once we get that done and that aspect where we can get students of color or students that are really serious about journalism, interested in journalism, then let's get them the tools to get them through the pipeline to start putting them back into the, to the newsrooms so that they can be like Gia Chinu and I and actually have a voice at the table. 
love how each of you in many ways from when you first started of just trying to, I just need to get started in this business when you're being flexible and adapting to what looks like success out there, which happens to be mainstream. And let's just call it for what it is like white definition, right? Of success. And how many of you have found your journey back home to your authenticity. And what I heard was really not just authenticity, but also your leadership in influencing the decisions that are being made at the station with stories, with hiring, right? With angles, with what's being posted. And I think it's so important that when we think about representation, it's not just about people that look like us online or on TV, but that we're also thinking about really the sustainability of that representation. Because imagine all of the experience that you build throughout your career, not just in your craft and talent, but in navigating the politics, in navigating how certain industries run and make money, and really navigating your authenticity of being, in our case, like Mo American, where we're both cultures, and also navigating your leadership and influence. And I don't think that I wish we had more conversations around that, but that's a different conversation for a different day. So let me ask you this, because we're talking about leadership. We're talking about authenticity. We're talking about sustainability in each of your careers so that you get the experience to give back, but also to be around and sustainable. Do you think of yourself as a brand? Have you thought about that? And if so, like, how are you approaching this? It's just not a job, but really about your brand as an individual, as a professional in this space. I mean, each of you are role models. I often say whether or not we want to, it comes with the job being the public eye, right? So role model leaders, influencers. Chino, why don't you start us off? Have you thought of yourself as a brand? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I guess I've never really thought of it so much as a brand, but so much as someone who's very visible. Just I guess what people can take away when they interact with me, whether it's on social media or in person, I, I go to the Twin Cities quite a bit now that I live in Des Moines. And so I'm out and about a lot in St. Paul and I run into a lot of people who may recognize me from Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I guess in a way it is like a brand experience. Like when people walk away from an interaction with me, I want them to walk away with a certain feeling or a certain idea of who I am as a person. So yeah, I guess in that sense, it is kind of a brand. I want people to just have a good experience when they meet me. I'm just like an everyday dude. And I think that's kind of what I want people to get when they meet me is just someone who is proud to be Hmong, someone who stands for the community and someone who is just like everybody else that comes up to me and, and talks to me. And honestly, I also am someone that I like supporting people around me. I like supporting other Hmong businesses and entrepreneurs and people who are doing what they do. Speaking of GS, very Asian brand, uh, <laughs> supporting people who have supported me because that was something that my parents instilled in me. And so now that I'm doing what I do, I want people to hopefully if they interact with me or they meet me or they see me to take that away from meeting me and I guess consuming the brand is that support other Hmong people. It's important and that's how we continue to build our community forward, how we continue to push forward and have like generations of not just wealth as in money, but like creating legacies in our community that is inspiring for like future generations. Mm -hmm. Love that. What about you, Laura? I think it's hard for us to sometimes see ourselves as a brand. My kids remind me all the time. They're like, mom, you know, social media, you're an influencer. And it's hard for us to like really understand that because 
we're still in all like real influencers out there and, and whatever in that social media world. But I think just like Chinu said, I think anytime that you you put your name on something or anytime, anytime you're part of something, it reflects you. And so we all take pride in that, I think. And when you think about whether it's a story you're doing, the work that you're doing, or the connections you're making in the community, or when you're emceeing certain events, or you go out, even in the Hmong community, let's say you're at a festival event or something like that. And, and like Jeannie said, people recognize you. You just want them to have the best little glimpse of moment interaction connection with you as possible. Because at the end of the day, people follow people or people follow brands because it left them feeling something, whether it was inspired or felt good, or they were like, oh, she's cool, or she's very down to earth, like just like me, a mom, a mom with four kids or whatever. I think one of the best parts about our jobs and our brands, or if we have our social media pages in this online world is so powerful. And so often in this community, I get people stopping me that say, I love your Hmong community. I love your Hmong culture. It is so beautiful. And because we speak so highly of it, we're so proud of who we are. We're so proud of the fact that our culture really, I think Gia said it perfectly earlier, there's a collectiveness where you can go anywhere in the country. If you don't have a place to stay, a Hmong family will gladly welcome you in. I go to the farmer's market here and I swear every time, I go to support them and they send me with more vegetables home because they're like, oh, just, you know, like, I want to give you more vegetables to bring home. And it's just that love. And when we kind of showcase our love and pride for our Hmong culture, people can't help but want to just like be a part of it. And whether that's a brand or just who we are as people, when we're able to share those stories on social media, people just like, they flock to it because they just love that aspect of our culture so much. And, and who we are as Hmong Americans. Love that. What about you, Joe? Have you thought about yourself as a brand and how being in the public eye and how have you really thought about your career with that? I will have to say that I don't think the word brand resonates with me at all. I think that it actually in today's world might be problematic because a lot of people want to be brands today. I think what I have felt about myself and genuinely at the core is that I whether I like it or not, have a responsibility because people do look at me and say, okay, she's in the public eye. She's doing this story. And so I honestly think that I just have a responsibility to truth seek. And I don't see myself as a brand at all. I'm just trying to be genuine to the truth and the truth of people's stories. And that's kind of period, the end of it for me. That. I love that you're being frank about it. What I heard from you was just really you're owning responsibility and you're a truth seeker and that's what you value. And I think the theme here is really just being true to what you value, whether it's the value that you carry with how you want other people to experience you or the value that you believe that you're impressing upon others who may not be familiar with our culture as well. And then the value of the story or the angle that you're also covering as well. When each of you think about your legacy, where I was going with brand building, whether that word resonates with you or not, is it is really the impression of if you were to fast forward your career 10, 20 years from now, like what do you think your legacy would be or what would you want it to be? I mean, I think it's the same for me and what I was just talking about. I think people get tied to these ideas of legacy and like what, and that becomes really big in their minds. And I think 
instead of looking at something like that so big and being like, what is my legacy going to be? I think you could just make things smaller and say like, I'm just trying to do the best I can every single day. When I go to my job, I'm just trying to be genuine. I'm just trying to be authentic when I meet people, make connections. I'm just trying to, because it, it matters to me, show people who I, I am, whether that's being a Hmong person, a Hmong woman, a woman, a journalist, a daughter, those those identities are important to me. And so if I can put that out into the world in a way that people feel like they can connect with them, then wonderful. But I think for myself, I try not to think too much about what is my legacy going to be? Because I think those ideas can get really big for people. And I think it doesn't have to be that big. It can be when I think about people like my mom, who is by standards that we society may place on today's world, think is not very successful at all. But to be a woman who raised 10 kids and who came to this country not knowing anything, that her legacy is is incredible to me. And so I think there are different ways in which we can view it, but I don't think that we have to necessarily believe in some of these big ideas that this world places on us. What about you, Chino? I think either whether it's now or whether it's at the end of my career, I think I just want people to know that I care because, I mean, I go into every story that I do thinking that whether it is something that I'm very passionate about or whether it's something I'm learning about for the first time when I'm assigned that story, whatever I do, I just want to put care into it. So I just want people to know I cared. I cared about what I did. I cared about the communities I covered. I cared about the Hmong community that I am a part of. I cared about the neighborhood that I'm from because I think just like caring and having that kindness for the communities that you cover and the communities that you're a part of, I think it it's just like a very simple way of relating to people, especially because I've moved around so much. Every time I move, I'm in a totally new place that I know nothing about. But if people can sense that you care about those communities, then they take you in. And, and so I just want people to know that I care and I love what I do. And everything that I did, I did with a lot of passion and just a lot of care. Yeah, thank you for that. What about you, Laura? Well, I agree. I agree with both Gia and Chinu. I think it's a big concept. And I think it is literally, I mean, I have four kids. And so my biggest priority has always been my family. My biggest priority will always be my family. And so I think no matter what I do, as long as I make my kids proud, I'm getting emotional because I was hearing you say that about your mom. But being a single parent is so difficult. And so... I think as long as I just do that well, I'll be okay. Yeah, I love that. And I love, Jed, that you brought up this perspective that legacy is like this big, massive thing. And one of the things that I've been challenged with just my mission of representation that matters is that legacy living is every day. You don't have to have money to leave a legacy, but you do have to make an intention. And what I heard from each of you is that it is the consistency of who you are and what you believe in showing up every single day that over time will compound and will be what you become known for, right? So I love that each of you put that into that as well. Laura's a mom, I'm a mom myself. And so I have been very intentional about the legacy that I think about leaving as well. But setting that aside, I often ask this question because legacy living is what you choose to do every day. And it is the consistency of who you are and what you believe in that hopefully over time will become what you become known for. So I think that's beautiful for each of you. 
as we begin to wrap up today's episode, can you share with us for those that are just feeling challenged with, hey, I don't know how I want to show up online. I don't know how I want to tell my story. What's the best advice that you have to those to stop being the best kept secret in their local town or maybe like to get in front of the camera? In today's world, it's really hard to do anything in any career without being in front of the camera. So what's your best advice to those to stop being the best kept secret in their local town and to really step up online, whether it's sharing their story or getting into a career that is a lot more visible or starting their business or organization and launching it online? Laura, why don't I start with you? I think whatever you do, this is to anyone that's questioning whether or not they belong or whether or not they can do something, you can absolutely do something. We've all had our own challenging upbringings and things that we thought we never could do, we're doing, and things that we think we can't do, we're doing. So I think as long as if you're passionate about it, go after it, do it to the best of your ability with such love and determination as you can. And then sometimes you might realize some days you're like, maybe this is not the path for me. And it's okay. It's okay to switch and try something new and start all over again, that it's always going to be okay. Because I think in life, we, we realize things that we planned for <laughs> never work out the way you expect. And then you but then it's part of the journey. That's the beautiful part is these surprises along the way are so good. And I think if anyone is interested in pursuing any kind of business or any kind of career, whether it's online or not, as long as you're really genuinely passionate about it and you care about it, your product, your craft, whatever you put your heart into, it's going to shine. It's You're going to find success. Powerful. Thank you for that, Laura. What about you, Jill? What's the best advice would you give someone to stop being the best kept secret in their local town? Gosh, I have so many, but (laughs) similar to what Laura just said too, I would say a lot of things work against you and you can feel like they're like a big weight. So I gave a speech a couple of years ago and I said, yeah, everything was working against me. I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. I come from a long family. My parents were separated and then divorced when I was in college. And so we were essentially shunned from a lot of the Hmong communities. And I felt like this, this weight of like, gosh, am I going to ever be successful? Can I be successful? And what does that look like? And then really coming out of that and redefining it for myself. So there are always going to be things that work against you and are really going to challenge you. But I think that finding your people, finding the support network that you need, whether it's from your community or not, from your family or not, that's super important. I think also digging into yourself, and I'm a huge, huge proponent, I've always been a proponent of therapy. It's really important because once you do it for yourself, you can look at other people and understand, okay, they're not quite where I would like them to be or they would like themselves to be. So I have to approach this in a different way. And so being just really thoughtful about the human connections that you make once you learn more about yourself. And that also means learning about your own history and learning about your people's history. Because once you do that, like my friend Li Pao Zhang says, who's a historian there at Concordia University, he says, when you learn your history, your spirit awakens. And I really think that's true because when you learn your history too, you learn about yourself. And so it just kind of all is a thread into being your full, authentic, most visible and full, fantastic self. Love that. Thanks, Regia. What about you, Chinu? I think one is just believe in the abilities that you have and just knowing that if you stick with it, it'll take you places. So really, really just believing in those abilities. And another thing too that I stress a lot is just Find people that are doing things in a space that you want to be in. 
that you respect and ask them for help. Ask them for advice. Don't ever be afraid to ask someone for mentorship, for guidance, for help. I think it's been romanticized in our society that you can't ask for help or asking for help is weak or anything like that. I think ask for help. I think this concept of doing it by yourself or doing it alone, I don't think it's a very successful method. I can probably say that I have lots of mentors and I can probably say that to get to where I am today, I got help from a lot of people who have encouraged me, who have given me guidance. And so find people who you respect, people you look up to and ask for help. Take critiques, take criticism and build on what you learn and you'll get there. And so if you want to put yourself out there and you want to get in front of a camera, but you've never done it before, find someone who has done it and does well at it, ask them for help. So just finding mentors and then believing in your abilities because we all have hidden superpowers out there. We're just going to find it and then use it. Love that. I heard success is not a solo game. Defining your shade of success, whatever that looks like for you. So it feels genuinely authentic, that it allows you to lead and step up in your visibility is really key. I heard really your advice around self-awareness, whether it's digging in deep and doing that work, exploring who you are, trauma, your culture, your community, or even just realizing and recognizing what your passion and your strengths are and bringing that to the table. And I also heard really finding that support and that community that you really need others, especially when it seems like all odds are against you to really look for others that are in that space, doing what you want to be doing, and really just having the courage to reach out to connect with them, right? As they say, if it takes a village to raise a family, it truly does take a village to really be successful on your path and journey, whatever that definition of success for you, only you can travel that. So I think we got some really great insights here. I want to thank each of you for being on the episode today. I just am a big fan and supporter of each of you. And to be able to have you on my show is such an honor and a privilege. And thanks for being on today, Chinu, Gia, and Laura. If you are leaving this episode feeling inspired to up-level online and make happy sales happen, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Now go out and take those steps to build your legendary life.